Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is... Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I changed it up. See, you didn't expect it and that's what you get. I don't. Trying to be <laughs> unpredictable, <laughs> trying to be spontaneous, it is not your thing. <laughs> Just let it go. I, I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm trying. Maybe after 37 years, I'll finally learn how to do it. No. just Probably not. Just don't. We, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, okay? Play, play into your strengths. That's not one of That's, them. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was going to say <laughs> that if we both sound a little bit more deeper in the voice than usual, it's because um, we live in Ohio and the allergies are outrageous right now. And the weather's weird. It's like 40 degrees one day, 80 the next. It snowed on Monday. Um, it's going to be 80 on Saturday. I don't know. I yeah, don't know what to do. It, Ohio's bizarre in uh, April and May. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. My sinuses have decided they're on strike and they just are not working half the time or working too much part of the time. So that's why we probably sound a little, a little rough tonight or today or whenever you're listening to us. Yeah, true. But we will press on for you because we want nothing more than you to be able to hear our glorious voices. That's right. We are doing our best to hold up our pretty okay title. Best of the worst. That's what we do. We always live up to the best of the worst pretty okay mantle. <laughs> That's right. All right. So without further ado, let's move on to news and crowdfunding. And the first game I want to talk about is actually on GameFound. I had heard they're, they're doing some stuff over at GameFound that's kind of making them Not stupid. minis. It's finally not minis and stupid fighting games. Well, but yeah. I mean, you told me something about them as a, as a website. They were trying to do something to be more competitive, and I don't know what that was. I tuned you out. They're letting smaller publishers join. Like it was official. Like formally, I think it was just like some big ones. Oh, like I Awaken Realms. It's Awaken Realms is like crowdfunding site, but they would invite other people. Like Portal was allowed to go in, and a few other. But now they're letting like smaller companies use GameFound instead of having to go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo and that kind mm, of thing. Good. Now if they just get a an app I could use, that would be perfect. That would be nice. I could search. So I want to talk about a game on GameFound. And I got to tell you, I'm surprised it was on GameFound because this is the most freaking adorable thing I have seen in a long time. The game is called For Northwood with the exclamation point. So that's why I had to say it like that. And this is a solo trick-taking game. That's strange. How does that what? work, you ask? Right. I will tell you. So you've got these adorable little like rulers that are little animals i mean this is like the artwork looks like an adorable like forest nursery pattern like it's the freaking cutest animal i've ever seen so there's these rulers i think you have to um work with eight of them you're trying to win them over you're trying to um unify northwood which is this, this we're going to go theme here. You want to unify Northwood and each of, but in, in order to do that, you have to engage in tricks with each of the rulers. So they've got cards and you've got a hand of cards, whatever suit the ruler is, that suit is Trump for that game that you're playing with them. Each ruler needs a specific number of points of a, a specific score that you need to get in order to consider them friendly and on your side and part of Northwood. It has to be exact too, which I think that's, what's really interesting. Um, and makes this sound like it's, it's a really kind of challenging game. Um, so you're going through the, they call them conversations, which turn out to be the tricks. Um, and the ruler always leads the trick and you have to follow suits, you know, that's uh, that whole shebang. But and you're trying to hit that ruler's target score, no more, no less, which makes it a little tricky. So they also give you these like allies that can help you with their abilities. And they before each trick, you can activate an ally's ability and they get reset after each time that you play against a ruler. Um, also, once you get these rulers um, over to your side, if you meet their exact score, then you, they also have powers that you could now use instead. 
of the original four that you had, four allies you had. Such an interesting kind of game. Like, it's absolutely adorable, but you have this trick-taking element while you're also trying to hit this exact scoring, um, which I think is really key. And then you also, um, once you get, like, win over each fife, they get added up to be to a victory point value, and that gives you your final score to see if you can actually win the game. So lots of different things happening with this game. Also, like I said, the artwork is the most absolutely adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, it is so stinky cute. Like, I mean, the Jack of Flowers, this is an adorable little skunk that's wearing a little, like, fedora. It is so cute. The King of Claws is this cute little baby lion. Even if the game sucked, I just want the artwork. But it doesn't sound like the game sucks. So if you like trick-taking, which I definitely do, if you like adorable art, which I definitely do, if you like solo games, which I definitely don't, but you might, you should check out For Northwood on Game Found. There are seven days left on on this, what do they call it there? Not Kickstarter. On I think this, it's still pl- the pledge. On the uh, pledge, yeah, I think okay. it's still pledge, yeah. On this project. Seven days left for the project. It's only $16. Yeah, I think this is going to be one that I end up backing. $15. Oh, it's $15 now. 15 bucks, yep. 15 bucks. $15. It's so cute. Everything about this sounds amazing. I'm just interested to see how the solo trick-taking thing is going to work because that is like blowing my mind. Normally, you need at least four people for that, three people for that. So, I, I mean, Fox and the Hound made it two. But you still need more than one. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand. I know. It looks really interesting. Um, I just I just freaking want the art. Like, it's just so cute. Oh, my gosh. And, like, even the next, like, there's only two pledges. And the next one's, like, you just get your name inside the box or whatever. Yeah, and the price point is incredible. Like, because it's basically just cards and art. It is. But still, for 15 bucks, that seems like they're not going to be making any money on this. And I'm fine with that because I want a game for $15. The King of Flower. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. There's like this little turtle. I can't even. Definitely check out Four Northwood. Seven days, 15 bucks. So moving on from Game Found back to Kickstarter. I have another different kind of Kickstarter. This is actually for a print and play. Um, But I just thought the theme was so interesting that I had to mention it. And so we're talking like, I got low price games really this week. So this is this is the bargain hunt right now of crowdfunding. It's my kind of crowdfunding. Right. So the print and play I want to talk about is Pestilence. <laughs> pestilence escaped the plague. If that doesn't bring you in, I don't know what does. It sounds pretty fitting, too, to the world that we're living in today. I know. So this is a roll and write. Um, it's based in 17th century Europe at the height of the Black Plague. So you've got the city of Paris. Um, it's in lockdown. And there are rats swarming around the city, all the streets. And so basically the civilians are just left for dead. But there's an underground network that's trying to help people escape. So in this role and right, you have to gain supplies, um, up your reputation, get the, so the network will agree to help you escape. And then you have to like avoid the guards that are trying to keep you in lockdown so you can get out of the city. Ridiculous, right? I mean, Really? But I just think it's so cool. So it's a roll and write. You roll your dice so you can move around the map um, where you're gathering supplies. You can gain reputation by like helping people out. Um, there's guards there that you have to avoid. There's plague doctors. There's people in need of help. There's the rats, which you want to avoid because they'll bite you and get the plague. Um, supplies. And you want to do that. And then you can make a you can prepare then to make an attempt to escape. So there's like six escape routes, and then you have to give it a shot to try and succeed. Um, If you don't, the guards are going to follow you. I don't know exactly all the minute details because they're like, oh, if you want to see how to play, watch this playthrough. I don't watch video playthroughs. I just don't, which I think is is probably stupid on my part. I just like to read. I like words. Um, But there was enough words here to really intrigue me. I don't know why. I just, I really, I like some kind of dark themed games and I thought what a cool little print play because you don't really need to put this in full color because it's the plague for crying out loud like black and white would be awesome black um, and white is more than sufficient 
Right. So you get the collecting the supplies, you're trying to escape, helping people out to build up your reputation, all these fun, interesting little things, just rolling dice, little roll and move. But I think the theme sounds cool. If you like creepy things like me, if you like rolling rights, if you're interested in the plague in 17th century Europe, (coughs) check out Pestilence, Escape the Plague, (laughs) five days left, six dollars. Bad, bad timing. I mean, people might have been interested in the plague before the last couple of years, but I think we're, I think we moved on. Well, the bubonic plague, it was carried by rats. That's different. Well, actually, the fleas on the rats, but anyway, that's a set point. No, this, I mean, the price point's cool. Even if it's terrible, I mean, what, it's six bucks? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not bad. It just sounds cool. All right. And my last one's also kind of, I don't want to say outside the comfort zone, right up my alley, though, I got to tell you. Because, oh, they're beautiful Asian-themed games, specifically from Japan. And this actually is a Kickstarter that has two games. One is called Fujiyama, and the other one is called Ajisai. So, two different games. Amazing components, can I tell you. So, let's start um, with Fujiyama. So, Fujiyama is about this mountain. And so, I wouldn't say that these games are abstract, but they are kind of in a way. Fujiyama is about building this mountain. You're putting these little hexagons that have triangles on them of different colors onto this mountain. The thing is, you don't get to choose the tiles that you get. You are given to them by your fellow players. You're given to them. They're given to you. Good job, Katie. They're given to you by your fellow players. So you want to create the most beautiful mountain which is where all these seasons match and you're you're aligning these different colors together on your mountain. But other people are are the ones that give you tiles. The only way you can obtain titles is from your neighbors. If you then are able to use the tile they give you, you get a little animal token. And these animal tokens are so cute. There's like um, little squirrels and bunnies and they're all shaped meeples, which you know I love. And not only that, they add points. So being able to utilize the tiles that your opponents give you is part of how you win the game and also really good for you because you get these little animals. So you've got this beautiful mountain that you're building and you've got all these adorable animal meeples on it. So cute. Let's say maybe you don't like that. Okay, if you're not into adorable animals and mountains, what about flowers? That's right. The second game is Ajisai, which is about hydrangeas. And it's kind of, they market, they talk about how it's kind of like a fellow style because you are placing flowers around this board to change them to your particular color. So you're trying to get as many flowers as you can in your color. They're so pretty. They're the softest, loveliest colors. The, again, the hydrangeas are these colored, like shaped meeples. So pretty. The board is actually like a, it's made of cloth. It's just it's just so pretty. It's just so pretty. I, I really, I, what can I say? I love them both. So if you like Japanese themed games, if you like little kind of abstract strategy kind of games, check out Fujiyama and Ajisai. There, I think are, there's 10 days left on the Kickstarter once this drops and it's 47 bucks for both, which I think is a pretty good deal because they are beautiful. Yeah, I like, I actually like games when they come with like a cloth mat, like that Mandala game. Mm-hmm. The two-player one has like a cloth mat. An Illimat? Yeah, Illimat. It just adds like a little different aesthetic to a game. You, you always have a board, there's play mats, but a cloth mat just makes it feel, I don't know, maybe classier or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you just want one game, like the Ajisai game, which is like the Othello one, 24 bucks. Fujiyama by itself, 32 But for both at 47 I think that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, not bad. All right, so those are my news crowdfunding items for this week. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. We actually did get to play some games. We played a lot of games, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's stop talking about playing games and talk about the games that we played. So the first one we're going to talk about is uh, a game that we got at Origins or Gen Con, one of the two. I'm not sure. And it is the second in the Camel Up universe of games, and it's called Camel Up Off Season. Um, so this is, it's the same art as the new version of Camel Up, the one with like the plastic pyramid, not the old busted cool one like we have. But this is effectively Camel Up in name only. And what you're doing in this is you are trying to 
bid to be first player to get to acquire some of these goods that are out in the middle of the table. You're trying to get pottery, you're trying to get fruit, some kind of dates, and rugs. And each of them are going to go into camels that are in front of you. Camels can hold, one camel can hold three, one can hold four, one can hold five, one can hold six. Now the issue here is, when you take cards, some of them are face up, some of them are face down. When you take the cards, they all have to be placed on camels. And one camel can only hold one type of thing. So if I put dates on the three camel, and I get five dates because two of them were face up, three were face down, my camel's going to collapse on the weight because it can only hold three of those cards. And then after you've taken all your cards, used the special ability on the, the place, you're going to sell goods from one of your camels to score points. You're going to sell dates for the number of dates you have. You're going to sell different types of rugs, same kinds of pottery, and you're going to sell fruit based on the lowest value fruit that you have on your camel. And you're trying to do that until the cards run out, and whoever has the most money after all that is the winner. So... It's called Camel Up because it has the same art and has a little camel. But outside of that, it's an auction game, set collection, selling game that is actually pretty pretty enjoyable. Um, I liked it a little bit better this time when we played it. I think just, I don't know, it just felt smoother and more fun and the auctions and were a little tighter and enjoyable. So I dig it. So what did you think about Camel Up offseason this time? Yeah, I liked it a lot better this time. And I think maybe um, it might have been because, well, one, I knew how to play. But also, I had already completely threw out the notion that it would be anything like Camel Up. Because going into it, we didn't really know when we bought it what the game would be like that much. Um, And I still was kind of holding out hope that it would somehow be like Camel Up. And it's totally not. So when you throw that completely out, you're able to really enjoy the game for what it is. And and I like it. I mean, there is that push-your-luck element. Um... It doesn't. It could be a little more take that with player interaction, but I don't. It's not necessary, and we really didn't play into that that much. Um, no, not really. It's hard enough trying to get our own your own stuff together. <laughs> yeah, you're without trying to make everybody else. Collapse. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I really liked it. Like, I think this is a really fun little game, and I think I'd like to pull it out more now that I feel like I don't know if I was afraid of it before, but I felt like I didn't quite understand it as well as I do now. So yeah, I think it's. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, and if you want to check and it I out, won. That, that's true. You usually win. But if you want to check out how the game looks and plays, there is a video on our YouTube channel. You can look at it. Um, I played through a couple rounds. It, it's it's an auction game, some set collection, pretty slick. All right, so the next game now. I'm super excited about this one, <laughs> and I'm not a theme guy, but this game has a theme that I love, and it's a theme about rock bands. And music, you know, thrash and roll, thrashing dice, guar versus time. I love bands, games about bands and or rock and roll kind of music. And this game is called Rock Band Manager. Now, I know nothing about this game. I knew nothing about it. Uh, our friend Chris brought it over and gave me a copy because he found it for cheap. And we played it, and I love it. It's so good. So this is effectively it. it's an auction game from Antoine Bauza to Kaido, Seven Wonders. And what you're doing is you are auctioning off to try to make the best band that you can. You need a singer, guitar player, bass player, drummer, and keyboard player. Each of those musicians are going to have three different stats. They're going to have charisma, talent, and opportunism. And you're, once you get your full band, you may get some awards for having the best band, the most promising band, being the first one to complete your band. Then you're going to use your band members to go play concerts, record albums, and use take different opportunities and the way that that works is you're going to use one of your bandmates and you're going to be able to draft some cards from this like grid that's out there it's a uh, five columns or five columns of two cards mm-hmm. and you're going to take you're going to use one of your your band members and it's going to have a number so it'll say charisma three that means i could take any of the charisma cards which are concert venues from the third row third column second column or first column so it gives you like a threshold of how far you can go And then you're going to put your little guitar piece out there, which is amazing, little plastic guitar pieces. You're going to put it on this card. If no one else competes with you for it, you take the card. You're going to score some points. If someone competes with you, you have to do another auction and all that kind of thing. And you're going to do that through two different phases. So you're going to draft five cards from phase B, five cards from phase C. Then you're going to score a pile of points for some recording albums and all your concert venues and all that stuff. Really simple game. Um, Plays in like 30 minutes. Probably better with more players. We played it at three, and I think it would actually be better with more, but who cares? It's a great theme. So um, what did you think about this one? I, clearly, I love it. So what What did you think about it? Um, How many players does it play up to? Do you know? Is it just four? Six. Ooh, I think it would be really interesting with six. 
Um, but I did like it. I kind of wondered if it was actually like an IP um, because the font of Rock Band looks like the video game Rock Band. It, it is not. I read through the rules again today and it mm-hmm. is not an IP. Well, I mean, the, the art isn't reflective of it, of the game, the video game. But I, I, I did enjoy it. I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, this game's so great. I mean, it's from FFG. Yeah. Why'd you have to mention it? I was trying to go the whole time without talking about it. Because I got to call you out when you do things like this. People will know. People will know. Clearly, Um, I'm a Fantasy Flight Games fanboy. Clearly. Oh, my gosh. Stop. All these years, I've been bad mouthing them. Are they even still a game company? (laughs) Yeah. They just make games that we'll never play, like Unfathomable and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. That's why I was like, wait a minute. I haven't heard about them in a while. (laughs) That's why. Um, yes, it, it's pretty good. It's not like super streamlined. Um, but the idea of being a manager of a band, I think is fun when you're auctioning, like you're like, Ooh, I kind of want that. Cause like, I want that, um, band member cause they've got really good stats, but the next one flipped up could be even better and you just don't know. And once you take, um, a band member for like a particular role, like a singer, for example, you can't bid on another one. You just you get what you got. You're not replacing him. Uh, so I, I think that that is, is, is kind of a cool thing as well. It's definitely a little push your luck there. Um, and deciding, am I going to collect like points from albums or points from uh, like concert venues? Yeah. Yeah. Cause those kind of balance out. Um, Cause in some ways you want to fight for some of the highest numbers on either of those, but you also don't want to miss like, you don't want to lose all your money either because you can get points for that as well. So it has some pretty cool decisions in it. And yeah, the theme is fun. And I won. So that makes me feel good too. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you, you gave me the victory for like three seconds. And you're like, oh, wait, I forgot to add this other $47,000. It wasn't. It just was a couple other points. I didn't realize <laughs> that they were supposed to be added in. And then I won. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's not it's not the best game in the world. I, I'm no. admitting that, but it's fun. And planning at six players, I think, would be crazy because the auction mm-hmm. would just be would be nuts because everybody's going to be competing. There's only ten cards out there, so you have six people fighting for those ten cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So, Rock Band Manager. There'll be a video posted on that coming up very soon. All right. So the last game is a game that we've talked about a lot, and we've played it a lot, but we busted it out again because why not? And it is called Fool's Gold. This is a game that we got for like five bucks on a Black Friday sale, which is the whole reason we have it. And this is effectively, it's a push your luck game about mining in the 40s. And you're going around to these five different... in like the 1800s. You sure it's not the 40s? There was no gold rush in the 1940s. Why do you think they're called... Why are they called the 49ers? Oh yeah, the 49ers were 1849. You're right, you're right, you're right. So either way, the 49ers, that's what the term comes from. This game, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's about gold mining. History, not a strong suit. <laughs> there's basically, basically how this game works is on your turn, you have a couple things you can do. You can put out a miner to one of the dig sites, and it, it may be free. It may cost you a little bit of coins. You can, um, if there's a wild die, which is a six, you can add that to a dig site, and I'll explain why that's important in a minute. Or you can just take your little miner and put him out in front of your... Um, shield and take back a couple bucks because you need money to keep putting people out because the reason you want to get people out is because you want to be able to draw cards from these dig sites and the way that that works is it's number of meeples that are out at the dig site times mines, the number of di- not dig sites oh yeah the mines yes at the mines so it's number of people times dice that's how many cards are going to get flipped and you're trying to get gold and you're trying to get these different types of gemstones but the interesting thing here is at the end of the game you at least need to have at least one piece of gold from every mine or you lose five points. And then if you, the mine that you have the most gold in becomes fool's gold and all those points are gone. So you're trying to keep everything kind of even. So when you, like if I had one that's 12 and a bunch of other ones at five, I really did a poor job managing my mine. So you want to try to keep that all even. So when you discard one, you're not losing a pile of points and you're trying to get one of each gem from the five, five mines. So they score a pile of points and it's just good, good push your luck times. Uh, I love it. It's you know tool art, so good. Such a good five dollar buy, and I love playing it. So, fool's gold. What do you think? Is this one out of print? Probably. I mean, you can probably find it on BGG because everybody seems to hate it for some reason. Why? But 
Yeah, I have no idea. It gets no good, no love. It's really real low. I, I don't get it. It reminds me, it's like Thieves. And I also like that game because they're so thematic. You did a terrible explanation of this game because you just kept pulling things out of nowhere that people who had never played the game would be like, what? Wait, what? Where? It's fine. They can watch, they can watch the video. We have a video. So there's a lot of really great things about this game aside from like the fact that it's Gold Rush and... 1949. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not at all. <laughs> um, you roll a ton of these little dice to start off your mining season, and that dictates which mines are open. So that's fun, just to chuck a whole bunch of dice and sort them out, I think. Then each mine is represented by a deck of cards, and the cards have gold or gems, like Jason mentioned. They also have, like, silt, and there could be there's bad weather, and there's also... False alarm. False alarm, because you think it's gold, but it's not... And you're flipping these cards over and you're really like hoping that you'll be able to get gold. But also there's a bunch of miners there. And so you're like, you got there at different times and people have different stakes in the claim. And um, so that kind of determines who gets to pick which card first and what are you left with? And um, that kind of push your luck. And the fact that it's so thematic in that when you go to pan for gold, there might be no gold in them, their hills. Like you might get a whole bunch of silt or you might have bad weather and then be forced to shut down the mining operation early and not get to as many good um, things. Or somebody else gets there ahead of you and takes all the good stuff and you've got crap left. Or, you know, there's a false alarm and you're like, ooh, we hit it big, which it takes all the, the gold and the gem cards, shuffles them and pulls them out at random. So that might take away everything that you actually had hoped to get. Like that kind of like push your luck. It, um, that like sense of yes, oh, you know that that thing is it's so fun about the game. It's worth way more than five dollars. Um, and I do love the Eno Tool, but there's that's su- there's such great thematic content there, and also the first player marker is this wooden little pickaxe, which I always like to mine for gold with on the table instead of actually paying attention to the game. Uh, all those things make it such a great game. Uh, if you can find it, since for some reason people don't like it. Snatch it up for a steal because it is, it's a really fun game. So worth it. Um, all kinds of people that we've played with have really liked it. So yeah, I like Fool's Gold. And I won too, I think. You can just stop saying that. I mean, that that should go without saying. I had like a super like winning like weekend slash week. That does not happen that often. That's true. I am awful at games. So I don't think I want anything, <laughs> but it's Hashtag fine. I enjoy, I, yeah, I enjoy the journey. It's all about the journey. <laughs> I enjoy the winning. <laughs> well, I would like to enjoy that, but I don't want to get used to it. So it's just keeping me humble. <laughs> um, so those are the three games that we played that I lost. But let's not talk about that and let's just move on. Okay. Well, this episode for this week, we are still continuing in our publisher series. And I've been, as we've done this, I'm like, okay, Katie, you need to figure out who publishes what, <laughs> because you don't know who publishes your favorite games. So this has been a good experience for me. And this week we are tackling Renegade games. The thing I know about Renegade is they have like that fancy blue and red R. And at one point we had like, it's not a meeple, but it was like a little logo. First player marker. Yeah. First player marker we got in some game. Yeah. We still have it. It's in the... Um that the box of bits above, above the shelf, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how we came to it, but I just always think of that, and so I do remember their logo. Good marketing, guys. Um, but surprisingly, we own slash have played slash really enjoy a lot of Renegade games. So Jason and I are going to count down as we have been our top five Renegade games. Um, we tried to kind of pull maybe some different games. He and I both like a lot of the same kinds of games, so I tried to stretch a little bit so that we weren't talking about the same game <laughs> on all five of our um, rankings. So, Jace, start with your number five favorite Renegade game. All right, so my number five is a game that I first played with our friend Jim, and it is called Passing Through Petra. And I played this with Jim. I played it with my friend Brandon and my brother-in-law. And then I played it with Katie. And I just really like it. It's like a, a, a race game where you're trying to get these different cubes that you have out on the board. Uh, and you're doing that through doing some trading with these people that are coming into town. You are... Um, that's basically it. You're trying to get these people out of a, out of of to come visit your town. 
then they'll eventually stay in the town and then they'll sell to people who are coming to your town and that's going to move you around on these like five different like track type things and if you can move far enough you can put one of your cubes down and get some special bonuses and all that kind of thing it's a pretty simple game but I enjoy what it offers, so that's why it's on my list at number five, and that's Passing Through Petra. And it's a lot of tan, and I like tan. So, you know, you got to have some tan on the list. It is a lot of tan. Um, I like this game. I, I need to play it again to decide if I really like it or not. I do remember I beat you really badly, and I uh, felt good. Sh- should be no surprise. <laughs> we already talked about that earlier. I'm always surprised when it's like a new game that I sometimes I often feel like, am I doing this right? I don't know. Anyway, my number five is a completely different game, and Jason does not like this game. But I think maybe if I teach him the right way to play it, he might. And that game is The Search for Planet X. So this is a super new game. We just, I think it was in games played last week, probably, or the week before. Yeah, that sounds right. One of the last two, yeah. Um, So super new to me, but it made such an impression on me, and I kind of really want my own copy that... I had to put it on my list. So in this game, it's a deduction game. You have a board that's the night sky and it's broken off into two different segments, depending on how difficult of a game you're playing, depends on how many segments there are. Um, And in each segment, there's a certain type of celestial body. And you're trying to determine what they are by getting clues, um, by using the logic rules that they give you, because you're ultimately trying to find which segment Planet X is in. And you also need to know what's located on either side of the Planet X sector. Uh, so it's like you're finding things out in secret. You're making some guesses to get points that way. It's like pure good mind-bending logical deduction. And I totally dig it. Like... I so, so dig it. I would probably play this by myself. Um, it's. I hate that it's space. I wish it could be like, um, you know, find the like rabbit burrow in the forest, rabbit warren, but it's not. It's about space, so I'll let, deal with it because the deduction is so good. So my number five, The Search for Planet X. Yeah, I mean, I like the mechanisms. I'm just terrible at the logic. So that's where I'm torn. I think we just need to... I just need to walk you through it one time. Yeah, we'll play a solo game, and then you can just tell me what to do, and I'll feel good. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, so my number four is a new game. Just came out last year at Gen Con, and it is The Hunger. So this is a deck-building game where you're a vampire traveling around this town, and you are trying to eat humans, digest them, and score a bunch of points but the tricky thing is here you only have like 14 or 15 rounds to do that and you need to make sure you're getting back to the castle before sun comes up you will burn up and you will die and that is <laughs> no fun which happens to me every single time i played this game so far because but, you push your luck too far you just don't know when to stop true. and then i get slow because i eat too many people it, it's a problem i have a problem but that being said this is a, a fun game. It's uh, It has like a Clank-esque feel to it, but it's different enough. Like it's not like Clank at all, but the way you're moving around the board kind of and that you could not make it back to the castle and die, that kind of is reminiscent of Clank. But it's great. It's fun. Um, chasing down the humans and eating them, getting the cards that give you some special abilities. Like you, you eat, eat this drunk villager and he makes you stumble around away from the castle, which is awesome for the first half of the game. But then when you're trying to get back to the castle at the second half of the game, not so awesome. Um, it's just, it's it's really cool, really thematic, and I enjoy it. So my number four, The Hunger. I also really like this one. Um, I think it got edged out a little bit by the newness of, and the deduction of Search for Planet X, but it's super good. It was almost on my list as well. Uh, my number four is what I think is a severely underrated game. I thought it was so good, and then I played it with some people that, like, poo-pooed it so much that it made me want to scream. Um, but I think it's just because they wouldn't recognize a good game that slapped in their face. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. But this game is Bargain Quest. And Bargain Quest is an auction game, I would say. Auction, hand management. Drafting. There's some drafting. Oh, too. yeah, drafting. Drafting, that's what I mean. Drafting game. Um the f- so in this game you have you are the proprietor of a store that sells goods to adventurers and so you're trying to outfit these adventurers to go like fight a monster and you actually happen to know who the monster is you know that all this stuff 
However, you are just an intrepid business person. So while you, you know, are selling these things to help them, you really could care less if they actually survive. You just want their money. And I I love that idea. So it kind of turns what we normally think on its head, like, oh, okay, like, how can I best outfit these people? Because they're going to fight this beast. And I know how much, you know, health it has. No, you don't care about that. You have to change your thinking to say, okay, what cards can I draft? And how can I arrange them so I get the most money out of these suckers before they die? And the artwork is cool. I just think that that theme is fun. Um, I, I, I like the drafting part of it because you also need to attract certain types of adventures by putting something in the window of your store, but you can't actually sell them what's in the window because it's the display in the window. So then there's that clever like card play of, okay, what can I need to attract one of these people? Um, but I also want to be able to sell to them. And then what if someone else takes the one that I really wanted? Like, do I have a backup plan? Uh, can I hire some really good assistants that are going to help me out, make everything worthwhile? It's it's just a really, I think it's a very a fun, very underrated game. So my number four, Bargain Quest. Yeah, I agree. And you do, I mean, you do kind of care about fighting the monster because you'll get some points if you do go over there and do some stuff. But you get most of your points by ripping off the hero. Mm-hmm. All right. So my number three is a game that we actually picked up, I think just because it looked cool. Is it? Yeah, a, I was like, ooh, spies, and it was super yeah. cheap. Knew nothing about it. It was cheap. Uh, not like $5 cheap, but, you know, not $50. And it is called Covert. And this is a game that is, where you're trying to, you're, you're taking on the role of the, I think you have three different spies that are moving around this map. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to fulfill these different missions. And the way you're doing that is through some dice placement which is going to determine which kind of action you're able to take. But the interesting thing here is if you place a die down and the dice values are one through six on these spaces, if I place a five, the next person to place a die has to place a six or a four. So you're kind of limiting who can play where by the dice that you place, which is really cool. And then after everybody places their dice, you're going to take off a die and take the action. There's get some mission cards. There's get some of these like Intel cards, which is like a shoe phone. Um, an old camera, fake papers, like a lockpick set and all that kind of thing. And then you're also trying to move your characters around on this map to get them in certain locations. Because in order to fill these missions, you're going to need different types of things like the shoe phone. And you may need to have your um, spy in a certain location or region on the map. If you can meet all that criteria, you turn stuff in, you complete the card, you earn some points, and good job you. You're trying to be the first player to complete, I think, like five or six missions. Once you do that, the game is over, and after whoever has the most points at that point is the winner. There's a little more to it. There's like some code cracking that's going to give you these special little bonuses, but effectively it's moving people around, collecting some cards to fulfill missions. The board looks amazing. The bits are really cool. The dice are nice. I love everything about this game, and you know, just talking about it makes me want to play it, and that is Covert, my number three. I also like this game, so much so that Covert is my number three as well. Yeah. What? I know. This is the one that that snuck through. I couldn't I couldn't leave it because I also think this is a vastly underrated game. I don't think people know about it. Um, like the the box art isn't like super winning. It's not bad though. But I I love a good spy theme. I I've always been a James Bond get smart, um, Jack Reacher Mission Impossible kind of girl and. Uh, this is, this game like really kind of recreates that feel, um, because you're doing all different kinds of little things that lead up to this, these different spy missions and the dice placement is great. It's just such, it's, it's such a fun game and we did get it on a good deal. So I always, I always love a good deal. So yeah, I I really love covert. My number three as well. You love a good deal. I love a good deal. I know you even more than me, way more than me. Um, so speaking of a good deal, my number two, actually, we got it for really cheap for some reason. Uh, we got one of them for really cheap and that is, um, my favorite of these, but my number two is Clank in any form, but my favorite probably is Clank Legacy just because it offers 12 different types of games that change the rules around while still keeping the same basis of Clank. But Clank is a deck builder with, uh, you're using some cards to move around this board. 
Um, and there's multiple kinds of boards. And you're trying to get these different artifacts and get either back up above ground or back to a spot where you need to be before a certain point to score points. And if you can't get above ground or get to the certain spot, you may die with no points, and that is no fun. Kind of like I talked about in The Hunger. This one does that same thing. It can be brutal, but it's also fun. Gives you kind of like a push-your-luck deal. Um, there's tons of different flavors of Clank. Pick a flavor. There's water. There's mummies. There's spiders. Uh, whatever you want. Space. Anything that any theme that you like, there's a Clank for you. But get Legacy because it's the best. So my number two is Clank. Any flavor. Yes. I do like Clank a lot. <laughs> but my number two is not Clank. In fact, my number two is a game that we have also talked about recently because we played it again. And I just, again, it's a soft spot for me because of the theme, because I love books so much. And that game is Ex Libris. So in Ex Libris, you're cultivating your own library. You are um, collecting cards that have books on them and you're trying to put them into your bookshelf. You have to put them in alphabetical order. Um, you want to try and keep your bookshelf as like stable as possible you know make it kind of even you also have a special type of book that you really want to curate in your library there's also some banned books that you don't want in your library um and so you're just trying to go to these it's worker placement take your people and put them at these different places to get these book cards and arrange them to give you the most points i i think that I mean, yes, I love the book theme, but it has really great production, except for the fact the text is really tiny on the worker placement spots, which I makes me sad. But if you played enough by the name, you kind and they do have some iconography on them, let you know, like, oh, okay, um, two cards go face down here each time or whatever. So they, they've tried to help themselves out a little bit. I wish it would get like a nice little reprint where they fix that. But it probably won't. But the game is still good despite that. Get a magnifying glass out. It'll be fine. Um, the production, everyone gets... I mean, if you play the more advanced version, which why wouldn't you? Uh, you get a, like a, a special worker and then a couple little, I don't know, minions that help your special worker. And there's all these really awesome, cool, unique player powers. I love a good player power. Um and yeah, there's so many. There's like 12 of them or something. Yes. And you want like all of them. You're like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Like, really, there's so many good ones. And I think that that's a good sign of good player powers. Like, I feel like in Marco Polo, you're like, oh, this one might break the game. Oh, this is going to give me an advantage. But they all do. And that's what's so awesome about it. Um, and in your, like, all the books have different titles. They're funny. Like, I like the art. It's just such a good game. So my number two is Ex Libris. Yeah, and this would be higher for me if it had better uh, text. I but know. I would also say never play this without those special powers. Oh, no. I mean, it, they're not, like, super difficult that you can't figure it out. I mean, it basically adds, like, a tiny little speck of a rule. But it makes you different than everybody else, and that's awesome. So just ignore the other side of that player board. Don't ever use that. <laughs> uh, so my number one is... Um, one that recently just came got reprinted by um, Renegade, and that is Trajan. Steffenfeld Classic. Um, nice tan. So I guess I have two tan games. Uh, tons of, of tan. You do. And effectively, what you're doing in this is you 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 have this like Mancala player board where you're going to have these different little tokens in these little dishes. You're going to pick up all the tokens in one dish and you're going to move it around, dropping one in each dish going around. Whatever you end on is the action you get to take, and the actions are like build different types of structures, move around and conquer these territories, go get some votes in the Senate, take a Trajan tile, put it on your board. It's going to give you some kind of special ability. Or um, there's one more section. I can't remember. There's one more section that I can't remember. And you're trying to do the best that you can by moving these things around to score the most points because it is a felt after all. And this has this really cool timing mechanism where – when you pick up a pile of tokens from a bowl, it's going to speed up how quickly the game is over. So depending on the number of players, if I pick up six tokens, it's going to move the time track six. So you're trying to balance, you know, what actions you want to take by how many th items you're picking up because you don't want the game to end before you've had enough time to do what you want to do. And I, I really enjoy that. So this isn't my favorite failed, but 
it's my favorite of all the Renegade games on this list because I love this game. And my number one, Trajan. Yeah, Trajan's not my number one because I've never played it. You played around. Yeah, it was the most awful experience ever, honestly. Because <laughs> you, you didn't know what you're doing. I know. Nobody likes to feel stupid. And I was like, what? It was not explained well for that one round. I'm like, I don't understand what you want me to do here. I feel like there's no choice here. I don't like this. So I I, I, I need to give it a fair shake. It is absolutely hideous. Um, so that, that didn't win me over. <laughs> but I know I am delightfully shallow about a lot of games and their artwork. So. I will reserve judgment on Trajan. My number one, I've already hinted at and Jason already talked about, and it is Clank Legacy. So that's the Acquisitions Incorporated version of Clank. Clank is good. Absolutely. Regular Clank is good. I like that game. Deck building with a board. I love deck building. Um, I like that little element of push your, push your luck. I like, you know, trying to get the, they make lots of little inside jokes and nods to things in the game. I love that. Acquisition Incorporated just like amps it up, man. There's all these cool things. Like, I don't know. Is it spoiler if I talk about some of the stuff that's on the board? Maybe. I don't know. If you, I mean, it's been out for like three years. Come on, people. It won't kill you if I tell you. So there's like these portals that you can work with. There's, um, you know, different like specialty tokens you can pick up. Uh, like these cool cards you can add and... It can become a part. You can write this like a whole crazy story if you wanted, like about side characters that don't exist. Uh, it has lots of great nods to, especially as a and d player, all these fun inside jokes about NPCs and things. I, it's, I think it's the best form. Like, absolutely. We played through the campaign twice. Right. And I would do it again right now. It's, it's, it's just that fun, that engaging, um, such, such a good game. And one of the versions we played with with some people who we, we game with fairly frequently, our, our buddy Brandon and his wife, he'll be happy that I mentioned him on the podcast. Uh, and Brandon likes to play, like, I think new games all the time. But he was really into, like, the different levels of this game, even though it was the same game, which I think that's, you know, it speaks a lot for this game, in my opinion, because able to really keep you engaged over all those different gameplays because it's just so interesting and so good. So yeah, my number one Clank Legacy Acquisition Incorporated. Yeah, I mean, great game. So we do have some honorable mentions. We won't belabor the points here because we don't want to be here all night, but let's just talk about a few of them. So we have all the West Kingdom games, uh, the Of the North Sea games, from Shim right. Phillips and Garfield. So all those games. They're Architects, great games. Paladins, Raiders. Yeah. Uh, we've played those three. Uh, we haven't played Viscounts. They're good, nice Euros, but I, mean, I just like some other games that do some of those things better. Yeah. Athenium, which is also about a library, mm-hmm. a magical library, which the boats, the books are like floating around and all that kind of thing. Solid, kind of hectic. Uh, Circadian's First Light, another Garfield game, which is they partner with Renegade. That's why they're on here a lot. I never about, played that one. I played it with Mike. So you're doing this um, mining on space, kind of. Could be anything, but they said it in space. <sighs> Why space? Why space? <laughs> Fox in the Forest. Uh, we mentioned that. I mentioned that up a little bit about two-player trick-taking game. That's what this is, two-player trick-taking game. Lanterns, which is a little tile game about matching these lanterns. We played this a long time ago, and I'm yeah. not really sure, but it, tile game. Lotus is a game about building these different flowers with these cards that are like different flower petals. We played that one time too. I don't remember it too much. Um, Pie Town, a deduction uh, dice placement game. Yeah, just a a cute little game that I enjoy. I really, that almost made my list. Like I really liked that game. Yeah, that that, I'd like to try that again. I I did really like that one. It was fun. Uh, Sentient, which is like a dice puzzle card auctiony game it's it's a weird game i don't really know what category it fits in but it's great spell smashers is like a word building dungeon crawl monster fighting game which is interesting yes. i'm surprised that didn't make your list actually it was really close but we haven't played it in a long time and the last time we played it was a bad experience so we can mention it brandon poo-pooed on it we'll just he put it like did that. 
don't don't ever play a word game with Brandon because he just decides, oh, he I don't Googles. know. I don't know words. I'll just Google random words and I'll just say that they fit. <laughs> it takes away everything from the game. It's yeah. If you can't come up with a, a two letter word on your own, then we won't get, be playing get out. with you. Get out. <laughs> uh, next is another game we play with Brandon. Uh, Succulent. I don't know if you played it. Did you play this? I don't remember. I know. I, you might have been sitting at the table. I, I yeah, I'm don't not know. sure. So this is a game about like uh, growing flowers, kind of, watering the flowers and scoring points. And They're then perfect. World's, wor- whatever, plants, flowers, whatever. Uh, World's Fair 1893. It's a little like area control game about trying to get these different cards to score points. Uh, we traded this. Oh. It's not great. But. I was so underwhelmed by it, I think, because I had heard a bunch like people rave about it. And I was like, this is it? <sighs> Yeah, I think that I think that it didn't live up to the hype at all. And no. like I like the J. Alex Kevern guy because he does, you know, he did Sentient. He's done some of these other games, but man, World's Fair was just just not our jam. Mm-mm. So those are the honorable mentions. So a lot of really good Renegade games. I don't know. I'm sure there are tons more that we haven't played. So do you like Renegade games? Tell us about it in the comments um, on the YouTube video on our Facebook page on our twitter on our insta whatever we just like to hear from you guys you want to chat real time check out our discord channel um we got nothing better to do just to talk about board games that's what we love (laughs) yep and we try to keep the drama to a minimum because that's how we roll we don't try we do that's true there's no drama there's no minimum and there's no drama yeah so far, to my knowledge, no one has tried to stir up drama in any of our socials, and that's yep. good because I will true. not. Yeah. I will not stand for it. That aggression will not stand, man. I will not take it. Um, and you don't. You don't. You don't want to test me. You won't like me when I'm angry. She turns green. I have a secret. I'm always angry. I tell my <laughs> students all the time. I'm like, don't cheat because you'll make me angry, and you don't want to see me angry. I did make a kid cry once when I talked to him about cheating. So. Keep that in mind if you want to start drama on my social medias. Yeah. But otherwise, everybody's just, great. We just talk about games, Kickstarters, whatever. Anything that has to do with the hobby that you enjoy and that's fun, you can post and talk to us about it. Yeah. And that's what we care about. We don't, we're definitely not in this for the money. We're not, we certainly aren't famous or anything. We just, we just like talking about games, really. So uh, tell your friends if you know other people that like to talk, like to talk about games too, like to hear about games. Um, We got tons of videos and stuff out there. Um, If you need some recommendations, whatever. We're happy to chat. Yep, that we are. All right, that's all I got. I got to grade some papers, make some students cry in different ways. Yep, sounds good. (laughs) Well, thanks, everybody. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I just, it's like I couldn't end. I was waiting for like the, the shepherd's crook to come out and pull me off stage. <laughs>